0: Happiness. Everybody on earth wants to be happy. Right. But how many people are
1: actually happy? Right. That's, that's the issue that there's so much unhappiness in the world. Happiness is, is so, so elusive, it seems, to, to so many different people. And you know what people do? They drown out their unhappiness with entertainment. We're living in an age of addiction. And addiction is not just restricted to alcohol or drugs, but entertainment, for people to have fun. And that way they take their minds off their unhappiness. So, I think what we have to find explanations for is why are people so unhappy? And then how do you become happy? How do you reach that that happiness? And not
0: just instant gratification, but uh, something
1: that's sustainable and uh, permanent. Right. So, you know, we talk about the pursuit of happiness. You know, that's in our Declaration of Independence. I think the pursuit of happiness is one of the reasons why we don't have happiness because people are obsessed with with the pursuit and have no idea of what true happiness really is.
0: So uh, you know like they say every time you see another best selling book 10 secrets to happiness you know it's not going to work that's why they keep being best sellers because if they finally <laughs> had one that worked <laughs> so you think there's a slam dunk uh, formula <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, I think when we go to Jewish sources, the Torah sources, we find why people are unhappy, and what is the recipe for for happiness. First of all, I just realized that the Talmud tells us that there are ten words for happiness in Hebrew. So that means happiness was a very major topic in, in in Jewish life. Like the Eskimos have 70 names for snow. <laughs> for snow right. When you're intimate with it, you but have We many have ten, names. 10 words for happiness. There's not even one word for fun in Hebrew. The modern Israelis borrowed a word from Arabic, kef, for fun. But it's not a Hebrew word. It doesn't exist. What about is laughter, it's laughter, which is, a. Another expression of happiness, but laughter is not a is not a same thing as fun. Fun is a, a diversion from happiness. It's not that fun is a bad thing in and of itself. People sometimes need to drown out their misery, uh, so temporarily, so they can get their footing and uh, work and towards true happiness. But when fun becomes the goal, and entertainment becomes the it, it just, it, it's just, it's an obsession, I mean, the, the, it's, it's unbelievable how many people ha- have to have how many hundreds of channels on their TV. They have to watch every movie, they, they have to constantly have the television on, or now it's the internet. And this is detracting from true happiness.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I find uh, dealing with people, um, you, you always want to look at like, to try to get to the root, core of happiness. You look at where is it natural? Look, children. Right. Children are born happy. I mean, unfortunately, sometimes. But it's said an not anomaly.
1: But a child is naturally happy. Right. When a child and, is happy, you don't ask why are you happy. Right. When an adult is happy with a smile on his face. Says, There's something wrong with this guy. <laughs> why is this person smiling so much? So, so I always say, you know,
0: starting on a very simple level. And a child, it's not because the child has all the options, like you said, every channel and every uh, and every. Uh, menu and every recipe on earth is because the child is comfortable in his own skin or her own skin and it just knows where I am right now is where I should be and It's not as like you said the pursuit of happiness. It's a state of being rather than an action Many people think if I do this I'll become happy right. and you find the really happy people are just not that's who they are that's right. me- I, You don't have to say I'm a happy person. The person's content, comfortable in their own skin a certain inner confidence
1: Yeah, I think that the reason why children are naturally happy, I think there are actually three reasons for it. Number one, happiness is actually the default position of a human being. It should be the default position, that a person should be naturally happy, because a person has a soul, which is a part of God, and God is identified with joy, which is something that needs to be explained, of course. Uh, So a child has this default position of being happiness and didn't become an adult yet where that default position is covered up. Secondly, a child is not self-conscious. A child doesn't think of himself, it's it's just a natural being, as you mentioned. And thirdly, a child is sinless. The Talmud talks about how the breath of a child who studies Torah sustains the world. So one of the rabbis said, what about, a we chopped liver, what about our Torah study? And the other one says, but the child's breath is sinless. So a child is, is, doesn't have the things that cover up true happiness. And therefore the child is, is naturally uh, in a state of happiness. child, I think they say, laughs about three to 400 times a day. Adults between 10 and 15 times a day, if even that.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I would, you know, taking from there, I would, I would add also the word uh, security. People are secure with themselves. They're not looking for that affirmation or I want to be like somebody else. Once you have it's in other words you're generating from within your own certain self a certain self um, confidence and self-esteem is a critical thing you're saying I think the people who seek fun or entertainment or numbing themselves or escaping is they're not secure with themselves so they say oh, if I did this I'll be happy if I traveled here I'd be happy if I smoke this if I did that and of course advertising the advertising world just feeds that you know you do this and you'll be look 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 at this happy looking guy. You want to be like that?
1: Smoke a cigar, you know? People, people think they have needs and they have to satisfy those needs. That'll make them happy. But as soon as they satisfy those needs, they discover they have more needs. Yeah. And I think if you want to give a recipe to re- re- reverse that, there's a story of one of the great Hasidic masters, the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe. One of his followers came to him with a whole list of Things that he needs. I need this, and I need that, and whatever was health and uh, sustenance. And the Altar Rebbe says, "You give me a whole list of things what you need, but why you're needed, you fail to mention." Right. The Chassid fainted. When he was revived, it changed his whole life. If if people realize that they're needed, because that's something that if you ask the average person, "Why are you needed? Could the world get along without your existence?" And most people couldn't give a good answer. And that's why they're not they're not happy. If a person would just focus on I'm, I'm a purposeful creation. God created me with a purpose and I'm needed. And if I'm needed, that means there's value to my life. So I'm happy.
0: You know, that's what goes back to the soul. You know, I think uh, at the end of the day, if you're a body-minded person and everything's materialistic, materialism by definition is insecure because nothing lasts. Whereas purpose, and meaning, and soulfulness, and the fact that you were put here with a very deliberate, absolute reason, you're indispensable, right. gives you that. At the end of the day, you cannot really permanently be happy if you don't have something permanent to hold on to. If you're like at sea, and there's a storm, and you're just being thrust about, you no way that you can feel secure when you have something to hold on to. What you're saying, purpose, meaning, divine purpose. And and ironically, uh, paradoxically, that's what people think. They think if I take more, <laughs> I become happier. Right. The truth is, when you give more, okay. service. That's there's uh, it's no question about it. But it's, it goes against it's counterintuitive. People think, what do you mean? If I'm giving up my time and serving, I don't have time to be happy. And it's the exact opposite. Right. I mean, wherever you see the the wisdom of the sages. I mean, Judaism, of course, is an example. Thousands of years. It always comes down to: you're unhappy, go help somebody. It never says, go. Happy. you're not happy, go find something that will make you happy. Go, go do something that, that will
1: serve, that will help. You know, I see it all the time, absolutely. People wish each other happy birthday. They don't even realize what they're saying. What, what's the happiness of the birthday? The truth is, I, I don't know who is the first author of this, I think it was Ramnachman Nachman of, of Breslev, a great Hasidic master who said that, the day that you're born is the day that God says, this world cannot exist without you. That's why it's happy birthday, because you realize that the world needs you. We're needed, and a person gets the tremendous sense of fulfillment when they know that they're needed. You know, unfortunately, many children growing up
0: in homes are parents that, uh, I would say, invalidated them and uh, made them feel demoralizing them. So you turn into an adult and you feel like, I never made my parents happy, and uh, I'm not going to make people happy. So... What we do is we distract ourselves. So how does one, that's the challenge. How does one, if someone grew up in a, an environment where they were told, God needs you, God created you, every morning you say moda'ani, which is that prayer, thank you for giving me, returning my soul to me, giving me purpose. But what about when you get into a situation where you, you're not, that was not the, your environment, that was not the message. The message was, you're, you're only going to make us happy if you make a lot of money, or if you'll be a doctor or a lawyer, or you're going to perform well. And, and and like the, dealing, contending with that type of materialistic form of happiness to find spiritual happiness is a real challenge because it's not, it's not neutral. Every second of the day, people are telling you, please me and you'll
1: be happier. You know, make more money, you'll be happier. You see, it's interesting. You're saying that when people feel worthless, they have no purpose, they're not happy. But the flip side of that is that people's egos cause them not to be happy. A person who has an inflated ego thinks that the whole world is there for him or her and that they don't have enough. They're entitled to everything. That's why gratitude and happiness go hand in hand. Who's a grateful person, a happy person? Who's a happy person, who's a grateful person? Why is a person an ingrate? Because they feel I'm entitled to that. You didn't do me a favor, you owed it to me. God owes me everything. I'm so great. I'm so wonderful. So you're never grateful. If you have, uh, a, your ego is in check, then you're, Wow, I didn't deserve this. I'm, I'm so thrilled that someone decided to give this to me. And you know, when Adam and Eve partook of the forbidden fruit, which by the way, wasn't an apple, that's the, the myth, but whatever it was, they ate of the forbidden fruit and What did Adam do after that that was the first real sin? Because Adam and Eve's eating of the fruit, that was all orchestrated. You know, God made it almost impossible for them not to do it, which is another subject for another time. But right after, when God confronts Adam, what does he do? He says, it's not my fault, it's the woman you gave me. It's her her fault because you gave me this person. Instead of saying to God, thank you, giving me a helpmate, giving me a spouse, giving me a partner in life, he was ungrateful. And that, that happened when he became self-conscious. That goes back to what we said before, that when a person is self-conscious and their focus is always on their own needs and their own wants, they're going to be very unhappy and ungrateful. And in our, when, at a wedding ceremony, we have one of the blessings. We ask God to bring joy to the bride and bridegroom, the way that Adam and Eve were given joy in the Garden of Eden before the sin. Before the sin, they were the most joyous people, the most happy people. The sin made them miserable because they became self-conscious. And when your focus is on your on your ego, then you're not going to be happy. There's a powerful discourse by, uh, you mentioned before, Rabbi Schneider Zalman of Adi,
0: founder of Chabad, where he talks about how True happiness goes hand-in-hand hand with humility. If you don't have humility, you can't be truly happy. And most people don't think of it that way. They think of humility as for the downtrodden, for the people who are like all very uh, withdrawn. And happiness is, you know, you're expansive and you're aggressive and so on, mm-hmm. which, of course, goes back to the definition of happiness, that when a person is humble, which means humble in their understanding of their role in this world, instead of feeling a sense of entitlement, me, 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 and it's more like, you, 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 I'm here to give, I'm here to serve. That humility is always, you see any person, and I challenge anyone to go out there, find a happy person, a truly happy person. You'll see it has nothing to do with how wealthy or, 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 because you have wealthy people that are miserable people, you have poor people that are very happy. It has nothing to do with their circumstance, it has to do with their attitude. And the attitude is one of a sense of modesty, humility, I answer to a higher truth, a higher reality. The people, as soon as the focus is not on themselves, that's the direct proportion to that is always going to be a more long-term happiness.
1: I heard a story that someone wrote a letter to the, our Rebbe with all their problems and their misery and their sadness and their depression and everything. And the Rebbe's answer was he just took every time this person wrote the word I, which was repeated over and over, and the Rebbe circled it. And that was the answer. Yeah. You take the focus off the I, then all those issues will be either disappear or you'll be able to accommodate them into your life. It won't, it won't distract you. It won't deter you from living a full life.